0: Here we go.
1: Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you. By cool guitar stuff. Like you. <laughs> you can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the podcast that we call the Better Pleasure Podcast with Running Light. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. And I didn't think Peter was going to be here today, but guess what? He showed up because he is faithful, available, teachable. Dude's amazing. Give him a hand, man. He's awesome. I'm also sick. And he's also sick, so we're kind of, I'm like scooting over here. I'm going to be like this. I'll be like that, okay? And Peter will be way over there. So if, if I'm scooting over here, that you guys know why. He's going to be sniffing in that mic, snorting in it, all kinds of things. And um, I'm hoping to have Sylvia on that mic later on today.
1: All right, I'll I'll disinfect it. Disinfect (laughs) some stuff,
0: man, that's for sure. This is episode uh, 83, and we're going to do a little break off of um, our methodology talk of sex addiction, because we're kind of going through some stuff there, which is very cool, to answer some really good questions, man. We had some really, really good questions, and I'm not even joking with you, Peter. These things were insane. So we're gonna we're gonna have to try to figure this out, okay? Yeah. Um first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. You're doing <laughs> okay.
1: My anniversary yesterday, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, tell us about it. What yeah. was that like?
1: Uh, well I was sick the whole time, so <laughs> we just kinda chilled on the couch all day. But uh, we're we're planning on
0: going up to
1: uh for for our anniversary trip. Quote unquote, we're going to go up in November to Disney World, which is where we did our honeymoon. So that's going to be like our official honeymoon. But we wanted (laughs) to do it in November because they have all the Christmas stuff up then.
0: Yeah, that's going to be. How many years? Three. Three, right? Three years. Which is amazing. Which is awesome. (laughs) That you hit three years, (laughs) you know, which is cool. Yeah, man. Blessed. Yeah, well, it's not as long as twenty-five. I just want to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but to get to twenty-five, you gotta you, you gotta, gotta go through three. You gotta go through what you're going through. Okay, let's go through some of these questions, okay? Because yeah. they're cool. One of them was, um, uh, and this is kind of an intense question: uh, talking about emotional porn found in media and popular culture, and how that compares to regular quote regular or typical porn dysfunction <laughs> so do you understand that question uh, i think i do yeah can you kind of reiterate that because <laughs> for some reason my brain isn't getting that one <laughs> <laughs> what i what i think they're getting at because uh, the word
1: porn or pornea uh carried the idea in the greek of a distortion yeah so i think what they're talking about when they say emotional porn is they're talking about an emotionally distorted type of romance meaning that Instead of uh, a sexual porn, like a physically sexual porn of just like, you know, watching two people have intimacy with one another, I think what it's talking about is it's talking about an actual romance. So, like a romance novel or a romantic movie uh, where it shows a distorted view of love and uh, emotional intimacy between two people. So, I, I think a good example in uh, recent time would be Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. which definitely has some physically pornographic stuff, but nothing compared to what you'd actually see on a porn site. Uh, the major distortion that you see in Fifty Shades of Grey is the emotional intimacy to uh, share, which is, um, from what I understand, deeply disturbing <laughs> and a toxic relationship. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because me and my wife have talked about that before. I know I've talked about it on this podcast before, about how personally I, I think that um, things like that Things like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, um, various romantic comedies, stuff like that. I feel like they're actually more damaging to our society than actual pornography. What? (laughs) What are you
0: saying? Peter, are you saying that that, that porn isn't that damaging?
1: (laughs) I think that pornography uh, uh, as an enterprise, uh, when you look at the damage that it does, I feel like you could make arguments that there is some damage being done uh but i, think I don't
0: you think you could too yeah <laughs> what's that <laughs> i think you could too
1: yeah you could definitely make arguments that there's been damage to our society done by the porn industry uh but i would say that the va- the vast majority of people who watch pornography they may it may inform some of the ways that they view sex but depending on what type of pornography they're watching that might not be such a terrible thing uh I mean, obviously, if they're watching, like, super intense, abusive types of pornography and they're trying to act that out, that could be really, really damaging to them. But for the most part, uh, for the most of the guys that I hang out with uh, that viewed porn back when I was in high school or even in the Marines, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the way their, their porn usage wasn't really damaging to them. They were just watching things that they found to be fun and exciting, and it didn't really impact the way that they treated their significant other, their spouse or whatever. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them had, uh, spouses and girlfriends that were okay with them viewing porn or even watch pornography with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. when I say that the emotional type pornography, the, the romantic novels, what I, when I say that I feel like they're more damaging, the reason why I say that is because as I stated before, the people who watch actual pornography, their lives aren't really being moved in a different direction as a result of that. However, some girl uh, or even some men who are watching the romantic comedies of our culture generation or some of these dating shows, the way that they view romance, what it should look like, is being greatly impacted by what they're watching. Um, so what, what they should be experiencing in a dating relationship, what they should feel when they encounter, quote unquote, the one, um, how that relationship should work out, things like that. That is being greatly influenced. Their their ideologies of those things are greatly influenced by these types of shows, absolutely. And uh, if you ever watch these kind of shows, and you just you stack them up against like uh, biblical love and what that is all about, you see just how great a gap there is, and how unbelievably damaging these things could be. One example I always use is The Bachelor. Um, if, you, if you look at The Bachelor, if you look at what's going on in that show, what you see, either The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, is you see one person, either a man or a woman, who is being courted by you know between 20 to 30 uh, different members of the opposite sex mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is essentially they're weighing the pros and cons of all these different people, and they're in the most shallow possible way imaginable, weeding out the ones that they don't like until you get to one particular person and by the way when you get to the top three they're able to have sex with all three of those people just to see how they stack up even in bed wow and uh you know me and my wife talk about that Of like man what if what if i really did watch this show and i allowed this to impact the way that i treat my physical relationships Mm -hmm. and uh it's really funny to me because this show started back i think 15 seasons ago it's like 15 years ago it started and uh now we have tinder which essentially is the bachelor for the average person you know it's a way for you to just go on your phone you put your profile up on the site and you're able to scroll through profiles of different people and you're able to swipe right or swipe left on the people that you like or dislike and you're able to do that with as many people as you want and uh, you know I've, I've told you this before but i've had friends who will swipe right on multiple different people they'll go on dates with each of these people. And they'll, again, they'll, they'll critique everything about them, and be like, mm, maybe I like that about her, but maybe not. And then even when they start dating, they still keep their Tinder account active mm. so that they can continue to see like, well, if things don't work out with this person, I still got plenty in the wing, you know, waiting for me. Um, now that, that is greatly, greatly impactful to our culture and our society. And I feel like that is one of the reasons why marriage is on such a heavy decline uh, in our culture. Uh, because, you know, how do you, how do you learn how to push past relational difficulties if what you've taught yourself is I'm just looking for the one and once I find this person, my relationship will all be, you know, amazing and there will be no problems. Mm-hmm. And the second I get into any relational difficulties, I just jump ship because there's always someone else out there for me that must be better for me than this person.
0: I kind of understand what you're saying now. So what you're saying is that that when you watch porn – like literal people having sex, the paradigm that you you're bringing into watching people have sex can still be a very, um in a sense, conservative paradigm, right. Uh, th- that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. so like not, of course, we're not talking about all people, but let's just face it even even Christians, right? You know, when they when they're viewing porn, a lot of them are viewing porn. Uh, still from a very conservative framework
1: right and the fact that the vast majority of people in America or in the Western world in general view pornography and you don't see you know 90% of the population crazy being crazy yeah being super abusive and bad.
0: Or, or or some kind of extreme escalation that's always the idea right, right? that you're here escalate 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 <laughs> right wait and you just don't see that where right. you don't see millions of people um you know going um doing something crazy like hardcore hardcore yeah. crazy doing like hardcore what what many
1: people attack is what i call like the straw man of pornography they attack like the the abusive aggressive uh, degrading types of pornography mm-hmm. and obviously again if, if the vast majority of people who are viewing porn were viewing that and emulating that right our society would look much different than it does
0: right right so the idea though is of course when you allow a little bit of it then it's gonna go more and more and more that's always the fear right and then 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 the always question is Is well hey there's other countries that don't allow any of it do you want to go live there
1: right And they're still jacked up (laughs) no i don't want to go live there so
0: we see that we see that that's not necessarily the way to win the battle is by just saying let's get rid of it all that's right um
1: but on the flip side right yeah the the emotional stuff
0: the emotional stuff you're saying the par that that the uh romantic novel or the things that are just in the culture in the entertainment culture the movies the the tv shows things like that what happens is they kind of do a slow burn on the paradigm right of your life where they're kind of there's this thread that's being um, uh, uh, that's running throughout those those themes right that um, that creates something different right which is highly self involved
1: you know when you look at again if you look at all romance uh most should I say most romantic comedies most romantic uh novels uh shows things like that the message that you get over and over and over again is relationships are about you they're about making you happy mm. and you're looking for that person that can make you happy mm-hmm. you know let me let me just uh again probably the most famous chick flick that i'm aware of that came out when i was high school the notebook you know in the notebook you have the main character the female who's with two men and throughout the movie her big choice is which one of these men best fit who i want to be right and that's how she ends up making her choice and uh, again you could go down the list of any romantic movie that you want but the the paradigm over and over and over again is relationships are about making you happy so if you're not happy in a relationship you just go to another one
0: Mm. yeah so i think that answers the question really good uh, cool. You know, so uh, that makes a lot of a good sense. You know, I kept thinking of proverbs <laughs> where it says, well, "Did you just cough in the mic?" I, I covered again. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <man. laughs> you got to take the mic and you got to go like this. Go like this, Peter. Go, go out, uh, 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 <laughs> and then take it back. Okay. Bring it back in, yeah. Okay. I, I always I thought of this when it says, um, "If sinners entice you, do not consent." such a cool little passage in the proverb, you know, but you know, there is, what you're saying is, is there's a lot of truth to that. And of course, I've thought about these things for a long time as well. Um, And so what you're just saying is that there's different paradigms, um, you know, that are happening here. That's right. Um, Sometimes culture, um, you don't notice it, but it actually is chipping away at more of an intimate part of us. Right um where just the straight animalistic sex of pornography a lot of times w- because it's just sex we're just bringing more uh, of a different paradigm to that equation right to to that media um which is interesting yeah. um okay next question you ready for it let's do it let's do it let me move this over here too i got so many things up on these okay what biblical characters are good examples of sexual purity? <laughs> uh, what are you laughing about, <laughs> that's Peter? A, that's a
1: very good question. Um, I can think I, of a couple. I can too.
0: Uh,
1: I think you of a couple first. good examples. the The first one I think of is Rebecca and Isaac. Uh huh. Um, I think that's the the probably the original one. Uh, I mean, m- minus Adam and Eve. But, um, yeah, Rebecca and Isaac are pretty cool. You know, you have Isaac who um, is single. He's not like his dad uh, who had concubines and had uh, different people that he was intimate with. Uh, Isaac was only intimate with Rebecca, and Rebecca was only intimate with Isaac. So they had exclusivity in their relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, they did have issues in their relationship. Obviously, when they had their kids, there was favoritism and there was all sorts of other mistakes. But... Uh, sexually, I, I can't really think of anything sexually impure about their relationship. Um, yeah. Uh, what other, what other examples can you think of?
0: Well, I can think of Job.
1: Job is a good example. Yeah. You know,
0: Job in the book of Job chapter, I want to say it's 32. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Um, I've been known to be wrong every now and then, Peter. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, Anyway, it says that he made a covenant with his eyes not to look upon a woman in a lustful way.
1: I believe it's 32.
0: And I can't
1: remember the verse. Yeah,
0: I I can't either. Um, But it it doesn't tell us much about his sexuality. Because someone can make a covenant with your eyes not to look at a woman in a lustful way and still not really be having good intimacy with a spouse. Right. So I don't want to really say that, you know, everything about Job's sexuality was, was good. But what we do get from, it's actually verse 31, um, and the passage is kind of, have I made a covenant with my eyes? Or it says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? For what is the uh, allotment of God from above and the inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? So you could see him thinking, hey, man, God knows exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and I want to walk with him. Um, and so he definitely made a, a a commitment when did this happen in his life we don't know ezekiel says he was a righteous man um or, yeah,
1: god brags about him says there's no one like him on the earth yeah
0: so i think of that the other guy i was going to say is daniel yeah. um um and daniel was a eunuch. guy what
1: he was made a eunuch yeah. yeah
0: so he was a eunuch so does that count <laughs> first of all does that count man that don't count maybe maybe
1: jeremiah because jeremiah wasn't a eunuch and he was still celibate for his whole life so yeah that.
0: well jeremiah didn't jeremiah's wife die no it's Ezekiel.
1: uh, ezekiel's, ezekiel's wife died. died. yeah right. jeremiah was told never to marry never to marry that's right because of the coming calamity on israel but that's right you know i, I like what you know me and bo talk about this all the time the purpose of the bible um even going through the old testament uh, heroes what we call the heroes of the faith uh, it, the intent of it is never to give us uh, examples that we're supposed to live up to uh, there are certain things in, in, in their lives that you could certainly emulate and you can certainly grow in but for the most part the purpose of those stories is to is to show you how all lives are messed up before God and we all need a savior um, it's to in other words it's to magnify the grace of God that those are the purpose of those stories uh, when you go through the Bible, what you see is you see the Bible gives us the ideals of how people ought to live Mm -hmm. uh, according to God's standard. But the point of the Bible is that no one can live up to it. Uh, So no one can actually make it. But what we believe is that through the indwelling of the Holy spirit and the work of Christ in our lives, we can become more and more like that paradigm that we're seeking after. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And so a lot of the old Testament figures that you see, they uh, have some areas of their life that change drastically some areas of their life don't really change that much though in, in encountering God mm. and so that that's kind of a bummer but it's also again we see the negative consequences of those decisions we see what they reap as a result and their warnings for us because we have the actual paradigm of how we ought to live
0: yeah absolutely so it's hard to it's hard to kind of use Daniel as too much of, like, sexual purity in the sense that he's a eunuch. Right. Um, Didn't really have much of a choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, is Paul a good example of sexual purity? It's really an interesting question.
1: That's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, we don't we don't really know if he was always celibate. Uh, there's been a lot of debate in the church about that, about whether or not he was married before he converted to Christianity mm-hmm. um, or not, but... Definitely, when he was a Christian, he was unmarried and remained single uh, till he died. But
0: yeah. Why are you speaking so soft? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> are we? Is it because we're talking about sexual things? It's because I'm about to cough. Are you gonna cough? Okay, move the mic, dude. Let's see. Oh, he did it. That was a little better. Did I get it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was a little better. All right. <laughs> and now you can put your mic closer to you. Okay. Okay, and then you're good to go. Okay, we got. He he did it better. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just coughed into the mic. But <laughs> um, I thought I moved it. <laughs> but Paul, you know, you know, a lot of people go, man, Paul was awesome at sexuality. You know, that type of thing. But uh, You know, and obviously we don't know. I mean, we just don't know. Uh, what we do know is that he struggled with covetousness in Romans chapter seven.
1: Which is a very broad term.
0: Which is a very broad term. We don't know exactly what that means. We also know that You know, he says, you know, flee youthful lust. Let there not be a hint of sexual immorality. But what you need to understand about those passages is in the book of Peter, it says that the spirit of God spoke through men. Right. You know, his word. And that so that doesn't mean that just because he wrote it, that he did everything he he wrote, you know. So you just always have to remember that.
1: That's why in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right. So if if Paul was a perfect example, he would have just said, imitate me. Yeah. But when he gives the caveat, as I imitate Christ, what he's saying is there's some times where my life lines up with Christ, and in those circumstances, imitate me. But there are certain circumstances where my life does not imitate Christ, and in those circumstances, do not imitate me. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that advice that he gives us is true of everyone we see in the Bible, and it's also true of everyone that we meet in our day-to-day lives. Yeah,
0: and we don't want to deify Paul we we understand paul was used by god in some pretty radical ways not only for um writing the bible but really through writing the bible the new testament most of the new testament really revolutionizing society uh all the way up to this day yeah. i mean paul has really i think even um um the theologian um um oh, nt wright just did a book uh, a book on paul hmm. um about just that specific thing
1: impactful he was
0: yeah um, so yeah um, anyway my brain says maybe that's right maybe that's wrong <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm pretty sure we can uh, say that the
1: advice that he gave throughout his books about sexual purity is obviously inspired and yeah so that's great but I mean uh, as you said Bo a lot of uh, a lot of the best advice that we have about sexual purity in the Bible uh, was written by a dude who was the worst uh, violator of sexual purity that we know of, Solomon. Yeah. So a lot of what we know about sexual purity biblically comes from Proverbs mm-hmm. um, and the Song of Solomon, and that dude didn't do any of it. So, um, yeah, just because someone's speaking inspired words from God and those words are correct, doesn't mean necessarily that they are
0: following them. So Yeah, and actually, I was right. N.T. Wright did write Paul this year. Nice. And so, hey, the brain is working. <laughs> um, yeah, um, absolutely. Jesus is a great example of purity, obviously. <laughs> um, it is. You know, a wonderful example of purity for sure. I think if you take, though, different aspects of their lives, you can, you know, Daniel, Job, Paul... Um, you know, you really get, uh, you know, Stephen in the New Testament. Um, you know, we don't hear much about his life, but what we do know, it seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there's, there's definitely some women of purity. Um, but let me just, or let me just not, or let me not talk about men. Let me talk about women. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, when I think about Ruth, Ruth. um, I think about a woman of purity. Right. Um, and again, we don't know everything about all these people's lives. So anyway, here's another question that I think is really good. Um, and this one we're going to probably spend a little bit of time on. Okay. Um, and I think I'll, um, I want to hit you up with this one and I want to hit Sylvia up with this one later on my wife. Me and my wife are going to hang in here and do something. Awesome. So if you're listening online and you do have Skype, man, I would love to get a call just to see if our Skype thing's working. <laughs> um, I'm so curious on if our Skype thing works, you know. So um, and how that how it actually functions with all of what we're doing with the podcast. Anyway, this is an important question. It's about selfishness in the bed. Hmm. Okay. Um, how do you serve your spouse when you're having lust? And, and this kind of goes in with uh, this idea of, of having intimacy with a spouse um, and, and it goes on to say like what if you're turned off by maybe some of the features um, physically of your spouse
1: deep question yeah
0: i know and you're and you're you're and you can wrestle you know and then and and then how do do you how does that work with wrestling with different fantasies that you might have in the marriage bed Hmm. um you know so it's that's an intense question yeah it is you know there's a lot there and it's one that most people don't want to talk about or (laughs) let me say this many people don't want to answer this one um most people would rather uh, answer this one in a really clean way and let me just say this is how it would be is like take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ you know um, you know look at Corinthians chapter 10 Mm -hmm. Um, and so take every thought captive and you'll be fine and um, you know be thankful for what you have Um, you know and ask the Lord to give you a thankful heart for your spouse and, um, you know, renounce any lustful inclinations that go on in your heart during intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and as you continue to do these things in your life, then, you know, you'll be more thankful for your spouse. You'll be renouncing, um, you know, evil thoughts, taking those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, um, you know, as you study the Bible and you know and love God, you'll you'll um, you know have a, a greater joy in, in, in Jesus, and so it'll work it out. Right. Period. <laughs> you know, and and that's kind of clean. Right. But it's not. I think if anybody, if everybody got honest, it, it's not. It doesn't work that way. Not super practical. Not super practical, yeah. I mean, the stats um, are that 99% of people think of someone else at some point in their marriage in a sexual way. Right. Um, you know, meaning, at some point, something crossed your mind <laughs> concerning someone else in a sexual way. Right. Um, and And so... Obviously, this is an intense question because um, it's one that there needs to be discussion about this in the relationship. And, and that means you have to talk about uh, sensuality and sexuality and sex. And that is difficult for many couples right. to discuss because there's too much hurt involved, yeah. right? So if a wife says to me, and I'm gonna, t- me and Sylvia is gonna talk about this one later too, yeah, and and that way people can see me and Sylvia how we dialogue about this, right? Um, but but if someone says to you like, hey, I don't, you know, I don't like the way you look. Or I don't like the way you smell. Or it's a turnoff. You know, most people, if they heard that, they just get crushed. Right. You know, they're just like, oh, man. And, and you know, the discussion can't really, it doesn't really go too well. It can't really move forward. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. There's got to be a way that we can talk about intimacy um that is healthy and progressive in our marriages right. in our relationships, right yeah um and in order to do that, you know, I have to kind of get me out of the way a little bit and when these conversations happen right um and it it it's kind of it's kind of interesting, but there's different perspectives with sex that play a part in this as well. Um, For instance, if you saw sex as just duty, like just for procreation, then it really wouldn't be much of a conversation at all because you would just be like, well, that doesn't really matter what I smell like or so much what you really like. This is just a matter of procreation anyway. Right. But... If you're looking at sex as a enjoyment of each other and desiring um, the arousal that comes through um, sexuality and sensuality, um, then um, attractiveness means something um, within that context right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know how many couples talk on that level yeah. about this. Yeah. Um, I tend to think there's kind of confusion in a lot of marriages of why they have sex. Um, uh, just from counseling over the number of years, you know, you talk to so many couples and some people i think there's one person in the marriage that tends to think sometimes it's just duty and the other person's thinking no this is supposed to be fun right. and um, there's kind of they're not how can two walk together unless they be agreed and so it's important with that with that uh principle from the book of amos that even in our sexuality we probably need to walk in agreement right um and if you both agreed under the lord like hey you know i want to Uh, Walk. I I want our sex to be dutiful, you know, and that's what we want. And they both were like, yeah, right on, man, under the Lord. You know, the purpose of this sexual relationship is duty. And so that's what it's about. And then, you know, hey, under the Lord, they go that way. And if they do that with joy, meaning it's a joy, that duty is a joy, you know, to be, to think of it like that, then... You know, I think it could work. I guess that's my point. I think it could work. But most people find a lot of enjoyment in sex, so they see it the other way and attraction does matter. Right. And people do get older and 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 people's bodies, you know, tend to get a little what's the word? <laughs> Saggy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know what? You, what are your thoughts on it initially? Because it's an intense question, man. It is.
1: Uh, I, I like what a lot of what you said, um, because, it, like in my mind, uh, you know, when I was listening to it, I was like, man, what a loaded question. And I'm not. I'm not certain if the, if the person who asked it intended to ask such a loaded question. Uh, but from the wording of it, I feel like they were on that page that they understand the gravity of the wording that they're using and how um, how nuanced it really is. Uh, so for instance l- let me take the first part just to show you guys what I mean uh, when he talks about having when the the person who wrote the question talks about having lust in the bedroom. Uh, there's so many ways that you could take that because it's like there's a simple way where most people listen that they're like oh well you know if you're having fantasies in the bedroom like how do you deal with that that would be like the shallow uh, way to look at that question but If you really take that apart and you think about like what is lust uh well we we already mentioned that earlier lust is another word that you could use for lust is covetousness it's any type of selfish demanding of your own way right that's that's it it's any any type of selfish longing for what you want over what someone else wants so um when you're talking about lust in the bedroom it's not just i'm having fantasies about other women while i'm having sex with my wife It could be lusting after my wife, meaning I could be selfishly wanting my wife to do something that she's not wanting to do. Maybe my wife is sick uh, or she's got a headache and I'm just really aroused and I'm kind of like, I don't really care what you're feeling. Like, this is how I feel right now and you need to serve me. Uh, That could be lust. Uh, Or it could be uh, from the flip side. It could be me not wanting to have intimacy because maybe I'm stressed out or something's going on at, at work or something like that. And my wife is wanting to be close to me, maybe not even sexually close to me. Maybe she just needs me near, but I'm so stressed out. I'm just like, oh, I can't do this right now, honey. And so I separate from her and I do my own thing. That's lust because I'm not considering, I'm not considering her needs above Ooh, my pretty. own. I'm concerning. <laughs> I'm considering my needs above hers, which is lust. Uh, that's selfishness. That's not what love does. Love does not seek its own. 1 Corinthians 13, right? So, um, so what, the reason why I wanted to find that is because what I want to show everybody is that everybody has lust in the bedroom. Even if you think like, well, I never fantasize about other people in the bedroom. That doesn't mean you don't have lust in the bedroom. All, all we're saying is when we say lust in the bedroom, what we mean is there ever been a time where you considered your needs more important than your partner's needs in the bedroom? That's what lust is. Yeah. So I- again, even if you're non-sexual, if you're like, man, I don't even want sex with my... Well, that that's lust. Because if your partner is wanting sex and that's a normal function of the marriage and you're just in your mind, you're just like, I'm not turned on. I'm not in the mood right now. I just don't want to do it. Um, that could be considered lustful because you're, again, you're considering your needs more important than your spouse's needs. Yeah.
0: So the first really premise you have to understand as a couple is that both parties aren't perfect. Right. And, you know, if you... It, If you expect, I mean, there's always that person that says, and I could just see it in counseling. There's always that person that says, like, I never think of anybody else. I've never thought of anybody else. And, you know, I would never, ever, you know, ever, you know, think of those type of things. Right. You know, there's always that person. Which may be true. You know, which may be true, you know, but we have it on good authority um, uh, from the Bible that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And that the reason why the world is the way it is is not because God is close to the world, but it's that he's forsaken the world. Right. <laughs> the world is a forsaken planet. <laughs> um, and 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 God, in a sense, has hidden himself from this corruption because of sin. and um, And he has, in a sense, illuminated truth Um, through his son Jesus Christ who is the light of the world the reason why he's called the light is because there is no light but him so that means all of us are in darkness right and um, and even though we give our life to Jesus Christ we still fight against the fleshly appetites And the animal instinct nature so
1: right which is so important to understand because when you're looking at the question again if you look at the question and you're listening to this and you're like oh that only applies to people who sexually fantasize or even if you're the person who does sexually fantasize that's not the only way you lust right there is a new nature in you there is a new loving nature in you says in Ephesians 4 that was created according to the will and purposes of God but that new nature wars against your old nature galatians 5 17 the spirit lusts against the flesh the flesh against the spirit so that you do not do the things that you want to do there is there is a warfare that happens inside of everyone's minds inside of everyone's hearts and it is the self-motivated life of the flesh against the selfless love motivated life of the spirit Mm. and they're at war with one another so when you're in bed with your partner Everyone has lust that needs to be fought. And so that's the first thing that I want to show just to show the depth of the question that's being asked. Um, The second part that you look at it when they're talking about, well, what do you do when you have lust? And I I do want to make a correction to that because as I've been saying, lust is not something that you have. Uh, Meaning it's not like I'm walking about today and I'm not lustful at all. And then I get into bed with my wife and I start fantasizing about the women. Like, oh, now I'm lusting, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm a lustful man and that's why I lust. And I lust in every aspect of my life. when I'm coming to work I'm lusting I'm lusting about what I want I want to get to work in a particular way when people cut me off when people go too slow when people speed past me they're getting in the way of what I want you use your money in
0: lustful ways maybe for yourself instead of giving it to the poor or helping people out that's right
1: that's right or maybe you you use your temper in a a lustful way in a selfish way to get what you want or you manipulate other people to get what you want whatever it is everyone's lustful in every single aspect of their life just in different ways and to different degrees And so when you think about the bed, it's not like the bed, it's like, oh, I'm perfect every other way. But then I get into the marital bed and all of a sudden I become lustful. No, you're you're always lustful. And that means that the lustful heart, the warfare that you're talking about, is not something that's going to be over with in a couple weeks, right? Me and Bo can't give you like a a foolproof formula that you're going to be able to follow through. I can. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we can't take you on a seminar and be like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. three weeks up here with us, and oh, you're not going to fantasize, you're not going to lust anymore in the marrow bed. No, this is a lifelong warfare. Wait,
0: time out. You're saying that um, let's go to a land, though, that has no porn, like um, <laughs> Saudi Arabia. And let's they go don't n- lust. And let's go to the <laughs> outskirts. They <laughs> don't lust, do they? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, and I I tell people this all the time. I feel like I do have the a unique perspective. <laughs> yes, you do. Because I've been over to places like that, and I've seen how people have tried to harness their lust uh-huh. through abstinence, and how it doesn't it doesn't do anything to shorten their lust. It actually inflames it and makes it worse.
0: Isn't that weird? Yeah. But that's that's a biblical concept. Romans it's chapter seven. That's right.
1: Right. That's right. The more that you say no, the more your flesh wants to go. Right. The that's more it right. wants to do it. So uh, for for and that goes along with what we're talking about, that you cannot fight this by saying, I'm not going to do it, right? Sitting up at night and being like, I am not going to lust tonight in my marital bed. You know, it's just not going to happen. I'm going to put my wife's needs above my own or my uh, uh, vice versa if you're a woman. I'm going to put my husband's needs above my own, and I'm going to serve them and seek their betterment above anything else and call it my absolute most passionate joy because that is what Christ does in me. Uh, that would be great if you and I could just talk ourselves into that but there is a condition that you have and that condition that lustful selfish condition that's rooted in your heart takes a lifetime to get clean of. Um, we have it on good authority that it will be a completed project but right now in the here now you're going to have warfare every day of your life in various ways and to various degrees you mm-hmm. will find victory meaning you will have Growth, but you will not have complete victory this side of the heaven.
0: It's kind of interesting, but I think uh, this question has really illuminated some things for me in First Corinthians chapter seven. Yeah. We've done a podcast on that before, and and this question kind of lets me look at this passage a little different. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to the husband. So God does give us a place to engage in in sexuality, um, though understanding. Even I think even maybe maybe this is where the the illumination's coming to me is maybe even knowing that you're not coming into that marital bed in a complete non-lustful way right um and that's what you're talking about that's right is that because we are creatures of uh kind of a duality here um where we do have the spirit of god and we do have the lustful nature though the lustful nature says it's been crucified and it no longer is rendered any power in our life with god right um in romans chapter six um we do in a sense are living out this um salvation as it were and uh sanctification yeah yeah and living it out we have this 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 kind of thing going on with the flesh and that's the that's the thing if you
1: enter into the marital bed and you feel no warfare you're in trouble if you feel warfare if you're here and you're like man like i feel warfare i go to bed with my spouse and I have to battle against my lustful, selfish nature, whether it is fantasizing about other people, whether it's trying to use my spouse for my pleasure, or whether it's abstaining from my spouse's pleasure because of my uh, disregard, right? Whatever it is. Yeah. If you understand you have a warfare, you're doing great, right? You're doing great because you're working on it. If you don't see a warfare at all, you're in trouble. Um, because, it, again, th- what the Bible says, the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. If you don't feel that tension... That's not because you're doing good. Yeah. That's because the flesh is dominating you.
0: Okay, so we made that point. So let's go to the next point, and that is, okay, so you're with your spouse. You know that the environment that, uh, of marriage is there to help in dealing with lustful inclinations in the sense that it gives you a place to, to, to be aroused and to engage in sexual activity. But what if you don't like uh, the way your spouse looks anymore? Maybe you don't. you find yourself turned off. You know, a lot of people go, "Well, hey, let's spice up the marriage bed, and maybe that's the way we do it, you know. Or maybe we do put on some pornography, and maybe we watch a little bit of that, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Those are things that we have never suggested to people, nor I think are we going to now. (laughs) Um, um, But what what do you think about that, where someone is uh, turned off by their spouse now? So, again, that's a
1: very deep question, okay, And, and this is what I mean by that. Uh, dissatisfaction could come from two places, a legitimate one and a selfish one. So there are certain times where I'm dissatisfied with something and there's a legitimate reason for that, meaning that I'm dissatisfied with something because it is sinful or innately against God's nature, right? So for instance, uh, let's say I see something in my spouse that is sinful, that is black and white. It's a sinful behavior. It's a sinful quality. Now, if I'm dissatisfied with that, if I don't like that, That's not because of something selfish in me. That's because I see something that's wrong and I want it to change. Now, I could be impatient with that and controlling with that nature and wanting to change her for me, but ultimately just seeing it as being sinful and wrong is not wrong in and of itself. However, there's a lot of parts in me that are dissatisfied in my marriage, not for good reasons. Meaning I've become... Um, I've become dissatisfied with something simply because I've become dissatisfied with it. And it goes back to the whole nature where we're talking about the nature of lust. The problem with lust, what the Bible says about us, is that the reason why we're so lustful is because we're trying to, in essence, we're trying to find our ultimate satisfaction in something that's not ultimately satisfying, and that would be the creation as a whole. right? So it doesn't really matter what I'm trying to look for my ultimate satisfaction in on this earth. I will not find it. and so if i look at my marriage or sex in general as being the source of my pleasure satisfaction joy contentment all that of course i'm going to be dissatisfied that's why so many of us are so picky when it comes to our marriages why we pick out so many things that are wrong with our spouse Uh, so we we start dating someone we start getting involved with them and there's this passion there's this fire why because your your needs are being met for the time being but over time what happens over time You become accustomed to the person that you're with. You become used to it. And then all that's left is basically the things that you have a problem with. And so you start picking out everything in your spouse or your partner that you don't like, right? So some of those things, like I said, are innately sinful. But most of them, I would be willing to bet, are not innately sinful. They're just things that you have a problem with because you're a dissatisfied person, because you're lustful in your heart. You don't ultimately see your joy as being serving, you see your joy as ultimately being served. So I'm looking at my wife almost like a buffet. And I'm like, I like to pick and choose in her the things that I like and the things that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna pick out the things I don't like and I'm gonna either nag her, I'm gonna berate her about it, I'm gonna cut her down about it, I'm gonna be controlling about it, or I'm gonna be passive aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. But no matter which way I go, I am still being picky and lustful in those particular instances, okay? um so i need i need to be scrutinizing about that the person who is content in god right none of us are there as i've said before we're all lustful in nature but if you really were if you really were at the level of christ let's think about for a second what christ is able to say to us who let's face it god has quite a couple legitimate complaints that he can make about any of us but look at look at the bible look at the way that jesus describes his bride Right? You look at Song of Solomon, and this is supposed to be the Jews have always seen this as a picture of God's love for his people. right? What's one of the things that he says to his wife? He says, there is no spot in you. It's crazy. Um, how about a little later where he says, you are a, like a lily among thorns. You are, you are pure. You're beautiful among a, a field of just disgrace. Uh, throughout the New Testament, what does it say in Colossians 1? It says that we are blameless and without spot. It says we're without blemish. It says in Psalm 45 that he greatly desires the beauty of his wife. Right? These these are all sections of Scripture that are talking about God's intimate, passionate desire for his bride and how he really does see us as being perfect. So what does Jesus do? Jesus, because he's loving, he looks past what is evil in order to love. We look past what is good in order to be dissatisfied because we're lustful right? If we were at his level, if we were completely content in God, we would be able to do the same thing. The reason why we can't is because we're not perfect, is because we're not completely satisfied in God. We are to one level or another trying to find our contentment in this world, and that is why we're dissatisfied, and that's why we pick out things that are in our marriage. And that's why I'm saying this is not a simple solution.
0: This is something that you need to work on for the rest of your life. Yeah, and what I would suggest is something that's so scary for so many people <laughs> and that is that you talk to your spouse right. and nothing's wrong with getting with the spouse and saying, you know, I know this sounds, this seems so insensitive, but it, it's something that we do have to, we have to talk about if we want a long marriage and a beautiful one and one that is progressively growing in health. In, uh, this monogamous marriage and that is we have to bring up things that we find in our lives that uh, maybe we don't like the smell of someone uh, maybe we don't like the way that uh, maybe they have allowed their bodies to get um, really out of shape and and those are difficult conversations because usually when usually w- you know eating Um, there's eating issues. Everything has to deal with hearts and, and the emotions in the heart. Um, all the things that are going on our psyche, why we do the things we do. Um, and so, so all of a sudden to be confronted by someone on one issue, it almost like opens up the Pandora box. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden now you got all these issues, um, where you thought everything was great. You were just living your life. You were just doing the things you're doing. And all of a sudden, that one little conversation could be that that catalyst you know to really open up so many different areas of your life and issues in your life um, and and that's scary because a lot of times we go, "Oh my gosh, uh she doesn't like me, oh my gosh, he doesn't like me um he's saying I need to um look better or he would he would like me if I was more this or more that and And, 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 and someone could be asking, Peter's saying, someone could be asking from a wrong motivation. They certainly could be, like, if someone, like, let me just say this. If someone asks a question, like, to a wife, if if a guy asks a question to a wife and says, Hey, honey, I want you to get a a breast enhancement because I really just like big breasts, you know, like, to me, that's kind of red flaggish. I would be like uh, like what do you you know where do you know where's that coming from you know is that especially if it's in like the first you know four years of marriage you know if it's like really early on or something like that and there really hasn't been a uh, you know a real love that has permeated a consistency and uh, of relationship there and it's just kind of like hey we're married now hey I like you to look like that you know, to me, th- those are things where, you know, I could see a woman saying to a man like, hey, where are you getting that? Like, um, you know, and, and and that might spark a, a whole nother conversation. But it might be something and I'm, I'm thinking more of a longevity of marriage where, you know, someone's allowed themselves to kind of get get um, out of shape um, per se. And they're not really concerned about it. And. And then that, then having a conversation to your spouse about, hey, um, you know, I want to talk about our intimacy. And I want to talk about what I think would make our intimacy, you know, better. And, and I want to have intimacy with you in a better way. Um, and talk about, you know, maybe hygiene um, and things like that. Then I, I think we have to get to a place in our, in our marriages where we're able to listen to one another and we're able to, and love says that we, we got to believe all things, hope all things. I I hope that they have the best thing for me and and I have the best thing for them in my mind. Mm -hmm. And, and I got to think, Hey, am I, am I willing to listen to what my wife has to say to me even about that? Um, and, and, and deal with things the way I need to deal with them. So
1: not, you know, like, You know, I was just going to add on to that a little bit. Just add on a little. Just a little
0: bit. Because I got a a meeting coming up. I got a meeting coming up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So all I was going to say about that is like, you know, what Bo was talking about is just check your heart. Yeah. You know, check check your heart. Like, am I willing, like, is my love, am I at least moving this way? That my love for my spouse is in such a way that I want to do what's best for them. And if it's going to better our relationship, if they have a suggestion for me, it's going to better relationship. Am I open and willing to do that? Or is my ego so large and so fragile that if they say something to me, it's going to cause me to descend into a pile of tears and I'm not going to change. And then also check your heart of why are you asking your, your spouse to change? Um, is it from a place of wanting the relationship to be bettered? Or is it from a selfish place of just, I like this, and I don't really care what it costs you. I just want you to do this. Right, right. And, uh, you know, just just real quick. Me <laughs> do and, it, do you know, it. You we reading it. this funny article, man. I think it would be funny for you to read, too. It was about why most women don't have orgasms in, in bed. Yeah. And uh, one of the main things, the, the number one reason why women do not climax in intimacy in marriage and outside of marriage is because the women are unwilling to admit when something doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's so fascinating that like women will put up with inadequate intimacy yeah. or anything like that because they're too embarrassed to say something about it.
0: Yeah. And it's just they're not able to chat. So and, and that's so important. Remember love, what the love of God is, uh, I mean, what the love that's defined in the Bible. Remember what lust is. Uh, really evaluate your motivations in those two things. And, and hopefully people are coming together and talking about these things because they're vital to talk about, man. If you guys want a long marriage, I mean, uh, y- we have to talk about these things. So um, we wish you guys the best. We have so many more questions we got to get to. If you know anybody or you guys have any questions, you can go to our Running Light Ministries uh, Facebook page and just ask questions away, man. These are great questions. They're awesome. And you can always... Um, let people know about our podcast, too. You can share it with um, others on Facebook, even though I can understand if you don't want to share this one. It's one of those podcasts where you're kind of like, this is kind of my little podcast. I don't know <laughs> if I want to share this one too much. And uh, I understand that as well. It's it's kind of intimate things, and, um, and we appreciate um, you guys checking us out, okay? So have a good one. We'll talk to you guys later.